What's up, Jets fans, and welcome to episode nine of Jet Nation Live. I am your host, Dylan Terman. I should be joined by Glenn Naughton any minute now. He should be with us, but I'll take it solo from here for now. Uh, folks, not a good game Sunday. Obviously, the Jets drop one. Division rival, New England Patriots. They lose to the tune of 22-17. to 17. The game was very close um, throughout the entire game through the fourth quarter. Obviously, they were down 12 points at one point, and they had to claw their way back. And that's kind of the reason why everything got off the rails for them offensively, so to speak. But all in all, it, it just wasn't a good game from Zach Wilson. And once Glenn gets on, we'll definitely talk about Zach Wilson and his struggles. Um, this might have been the worst we've seen from the second-year quarterback. Um, I'm hearing a lot of he still thinks he's at BYU. I think that is the case to some degree. He's trying to get get away with things that he was doing in college that that's just not going to fly at the NFL level. Um, but before we we dive too deep into that, and we'll let Glenn get on with us, just want to go over tonight's topics. Um, I did a Tuesday mini show uh, about the trade deadline. The Jets did make a move, so we will talk about that and the other move they made. So two moves in total before the trade deadline. We're going to recap the Patriots like I was just getting into. Obviously, we're going to preview the Bills upcoming. We're probably going to keep that one short and sweet because most Jets fans feel like they uh, know how that one's going to go. And then at the end, uh, we're going to give our draft prospects as always. So um, first off, trade deadline, the Jets did make a move. They sent Jacob Martin, their defensive lineman, to the Denver Broncos for a 2024 fourth round pick. They also send with Martin a 2024 fifth round pick. So they basically jump up around in two drafts from now and they offset a little bit of money at a crowded position. The Jets at defensive line were very loaded coming into the year and obviously we weren't sure how it was all going to play out, especially with Vinnie Curry being on IR after his um, his scare last year, not playing at all. But now that everybody's back and healthy, I think they see how the rotation is going to work out. And they felt like it was it was time to cut ties with one of them, Jacob Martin being the guy. Um, I mentioned it on Tuesday. He's one year into his three-year $15 million deal with the team. Um, so obviously they eat all the money for him this year, and I'm not complaining about it. I think for what he he put on, the, on display for the team, including that strip sack this past week, was more than enough to justify – what they paid him in free agency for this year. And they, the, the most, most important part of it is $6.3 million comes off the books in 2023 and then another 4.8 in 2024. So that allows the Jets flexibility cap wise, which they're going to need. And they have some high priced guys, namely Quinn and Williams in that same room as Jacob Martin that need to get paid. So Quinn and Williams is a guy. I think Bryce Huff is a guy that needs to get paid. And that also, will benefit from this because I think he and Jermaine Johnson should get more reps overall now that Jermaine Johnson's back from his ankle injury. So Bryce Huff, Jermaine Johnson on the rise, Jacob Martin to Denver for a pick that we'll see in two years from now. Who knows? Maybe Joe Douglas uses that as a future trade piece or what have you. So you couple that move with the James Robinson move that was made a week ago after Brees Hall went down with the injury you now have two moves, one in, one out. So you can't really say the Jets are buyers or sellers at the deadline. I know there were a lot of people saying they needed to buy, particularly uh, offensive tackle or 
even an edge rusher, Bradley Chubb, who ends up being in the AFC East overall with the Miami Dolphins. So there was clamoring both sides. Should they buy? Should they sell off a couple pieces? Um, I believe Bryce Hall was in there, Denzel Mims, Mike White, Joe Flacco. All these names were thrown around, but ultimately Jacob Martin is the only one who gets dealt. Um, From a personal standpoint, I'm happy that that was the only move made in terms of players going out. I was very nervous after his usage on Sunday that Elijah Moore would have been gone from the team. He had one sole target, no catches, um, and he was very sparingly used, I believe, 10 snaps overall on the game. So he was outsnapped by Jeff Smith and Denzel Mims. So not a great look, but they keep him. They hold on to him. He's ours at least until the end of the season. They could choose to deal him at that point or what have you. But for now, he's on the team. And I mentioned it earlier, offensive line help. And I think from my personal standpoint, it wasn't necessary to go get offensive line help. You have it coming back in the next couple weeks. It might not be this week specifically, but the Jets do go into a bye week next week. So you basically have two weeks and then that third week of practice to get both George Fant and Max Mitchell back on the field. So you will have your offensive line reinforcements there. So I'm happy they didn't go out and you know, break the bank with draft capital or a potential player to go get a Laramie Tunsil or a Jack Conklin, even though those guys are difference makers and they could help this team moving forward. I think he would crowd the room, especially with Mekhi Becton. Obviously, Joe Douglas expects him back for OTAs fully healthy. So he's going to be part of this mix at some degree, whether it's starter, swing, insurance policy for somebody. So the Jets seemed kind of crowded at offensive tackle despite it not showing on paper right now. So that pretty much sums up all the trade deadline. Um, I want to go into an injury report real quick. Um, I was completely wrong about Corey Davis last week. I thought he was all signs pointing to go against the Patriots. And he sat um, Zach Rosenblatt, the athletic reporter for the Jets, had player intro videos coming into MetLife on uh, Sunday afternoon. And Corey Davis was obviously in street clothes, his game day outfit or what have you, but he was not putting any weight on his right leg, basically swinging it out every step. So it didn't look very good for Corey Davis. He was a do not uh, participate both Wednesday and Thursday this week, obviously trending in the downward direction for him. I don't know if they'll see him Sunday against the Bills. My thought is rest everybody that's even close to being hurt until the buy's over get everybody back healthy for this hopeful playoff run that you're about to go on. So Corey Davis DNP for the last two days. And then they had a couple injuries. Um, LaMarcus Joyner, Nate Herbig, they were all limited. Everybody was limited other than Corey Davis. So the injury front from that perspective seems okay. Uh, Corey Davis, obviously the only one to watch or any new injuries that will come up. I still don't see Glenn here in the studio. So I'm just going to keep, Plugging along here. We got to get into it at some point. Um, This loss, very frustrating loss. I think a lot of Jets fans, um, even potentially a lot of Jets players or coaches, uh, thought that they had this game, that they felt going into the week that they were going to win. And by all means, that that is the mindset you need to have in this league, that you can go into Sunday and battle with any team. You can beat any team. But I think specifically with this Patriots team, as long as they're under head coach Bill Belichick, it's going to be very difficult for the Jets to 
feel confident at any level. And I fell victim to it too. I projected them to have a win 24 to 13 over the Patriots. Obviously that was uh, close to the score, but in reverse, the Patriots win 22 to 17. By, by all means, I'll go with the Jets defense first again this week. The Jets defense was the bright spot. Six sacks on Mac Jones, uh, Carl Lawson, JFM, Quinnen, Jacob Martin had the strip sack, Nathan Shepard, and Michael Clemens gets on the board with his first career sack. So six sacks in total for the Jets defense. They also had an interception. Michael Carter the second had a deflected interception that truly the play was made by Bryce Huff coming off the edge. His bend and burst, getting to Mac Jones, forcing the ball to pop up in the air. Uh, Michael Carter the second comes down with it, and he would have had a second one if not for a boneheaded uh, penalty again by John Franklin Myers. They they called it roughing the passer. Uh, I assume it's because he launched into Mac Jones with his head first. But the, the description that Rob Sala got on the sideline from the ref was he was hit too hard. Folks, this is the NFL. If you're going to get hit too hard, just sit on the damn bench. Put Bailey Zappi in. That's just a disgrace. I'm not going to say that that is the reason that the Jets lost. I will not take that ref angle ever that the refs lose a game for the Jets. The Jets did plenty on their own to lose it for themselves. But that play severely took all the momentum away from the Jets. You could say they didn't recover after that. I know that they'll say in the locker room that they were able to recover and do good things. But it just felt like the life was taken out of both the players and the crowd, honestly. So you have a potential 17 to three game. Obviously the, the touchdown comes back and it's now 10 to six going into halftime. The next time the jets even touch the ball, it's 13 to 10. They're in a deficit. And now you have Zach Wilson pressing Rob Sala didn't want to admit it that Zach, Zach Wilson was pressing. That's exactly what he was doing. And it's a three point ball game in the middle of the third quarter even earlier on than that, there's no excuses. You can't come out here and try to play hero ball. This is not Madden on Xbox or PlayStation. You just, you can't do these things that he's doing in the pocket, drifting backwards eight to 10 yards at a time, going sideways and just not even giving your offensive lineman a chance. I know we, we've talked about trusting this offensive line and how both offensive and Zach will offensive line and Zach Wilson need to trust each other mutually for everything to work. And it's on Zach Wilson in this game. You can't break pockets like this. You have to step up into the pockets that your offensive line is giving you. I understand that it's not consistent. It's not perfect. It's not beautiful from the offensive line standpoint, but when you have the opportunity, you have to take advantage. And that's something he just did not do on Sunday to the tune of three interceptions I can excuse the first one. Um, it, he was pressured by Matthew Judon. Don't get me wrong. The pass was errant to the check down running back, and it floated over his head right into Juwan Bentley's arms, and it was a great play by Bentley. Zach Wilson, those other two where he's trying to run and scramble and just throw the ball out of bounds, dude, put it in the fifth row. It doesn't matter if you're five inches from the sideline or five miles from the sideline with your incompletion. It's all an incompletion at the end of the day. And I feel like part of Zach's problem is he thinks that, hey, if I make an incompletion, but you can go back and say, well, maybe somebody could have put a put a hand on that and caught it. It's a good pass. And that's just not the case. You need to know when it's time to 
just s- surrender on a play. It was first down that second interception. He bootlegs. He has the whole half of the field. I'm not saying he could run, but you don't do that when you're pressured and you just soft lob one off to the side. No, you have to throw that as hard as you can out of bounds. So inexcusable on the second one. The third one, that just gave the game away at that point. It's third It's third and long. You have to you have to know that that is four down territory. You can't, even if it's a long pass, which is a pseudo punt, that's unexcusable because you're, ha- you have to go for it on fourth down in that situation. So those second and third interceptions by Zach Wilson, totally inexcusable. He did, however, throw a career high 355 yards and no, that was not just garbage time. It was actual yards in the game. A lot of it yards after catch by his skill make uh, skill position players, his playmakers, which finally it's so glad to see these yards after catch plays, not just a hitch and tackle right at the sticks. So Zach Wilson did have some positives. I'm not even going to get into them because the negatives totally outshined the positives. But if you go on my Twitter at D I put a little thread together and there were a couple positives. There was the touchdown pass to Conklin, both of them. And I think the Conklin second touchdown is a lot more on Conklin than Zach Wilson. But Zach Wilson had a couple throws. Obviously, I'm going to use the cliche. He's got, he has a lot of throws he's going to want back. Uh, probably, like I said at the top, his worst game as a Jet. Um, and that's kind of a trend these past three weeks. And I understand you can make the excuse of the Packers defense and the Broncos defense are all-world elite defenses. But... At some point, you got to understand that you are an NFL quarterback and you're no longer playing at BYU. And these guys that you have on your team, mainly Garrett Wilson, Tyler Conklin, Elijah Moore to a degree, these guys are getting open for you. Michael Fur is doing all he can to get these guys open for you. All you have to do, take three steps backward, read your progression. And I'm making it sound very easy, obviously, sitting in this office talking about the Jets, but... It seems like the easy things that sound almost like textbook, he just can't do them right, which is just so absurd at this point. I'll take all the great flashes, but not when they're coupled with these terrible inconsistencies. I compared him at one point this weekend to Sam Darnold, and I almost think his decision-making is getting to a point where it's worse than Sam Darnold because – he knows what he's supposed to do, and he's truly just refusing to do it, refusing to let a play die. And it's those little backbreaking things that are going to show up and be the reason why they lose and end their four-game winning streak when they were asking you to be a game manager. And that's what you were doing. You were being a game manager, and it was working. You weren't turning the ball over. And then all of a sudden, they ask you to – you know, they put a little bit more on your plate and you press a little bit because the score is not in your favor. And all of a sudden you have stupid interceptions, stupid mistakes floating around in the pocket, making your offensive line look really bad and allowing pressure that shouldn't be available. So this is all on Zach. And we now have Glenn Naughton in the studio with us. I'm going to add him here. Give me one second. All right, Glenn, can you hear me? I can, dude. Can you hear me? Awesome. Yeah, I can hear you. Everything all good? The uh, yeah, uh, this uh, I don't think it's it's been a couple years since this happened, but uh, the UK's clocks go back a couple weeks before the US, um, and I normally adjusted myself to to being ready for that, 
And I'm, I'm sitting there watching Netflix with my wife and I get the notification that the show is on. And I was like, oh, that starts in an hour. And I was like, wait a minute. That says it's on now. <laughs> so uh -oh. I jumped up off the sofa and uh, and popped on the uh, popped on the uh, tablet here. And here we are. Well, I don't think the U.S. actually changes their clocks back now. I think they're officially done with that as far as I'm concerned. But that is that is funny that that is. I what thought that happened. was I thought that was like only certain states. Is, is it everyone really? I don't know. I'm on the East Coast in New Jersey, and I know that we're affected and we're not changing the clocks anymore. I'm not sure what everybody else does, but I'm almost positive that's the entire East Coast. I hope it's the case for everywhere because it's just so damn confusing. So, yeah, it, it's a it's a pain. It'd be nice. I actually said that to the wife the other day. I said, yeah, I think some U.S. states have done away with the uh, mm -hmm. the, the the switching of the clock. I remember when like the law was was proposed and it was being voted on. I wasn't sure if it passed. But anyway, enough about legislation <laughs> regarding clocks. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, well, I guess we could just throw you right to it. Um, feed you to the wolves, so to speak. I was in the middle of talking about Zach Wilson and his um, disastrous performance. I, I guess we'll say it that way. So what was your take on the whole thing? I just kind of gave my perspective of each interception and the reasons why you just can't do those things in the NFL. Yeah, listen, um, I was I was listening in while I was setting up my stuff here and I, I heard what you said and I agree with all of it. I mean, listen, um, the, the the most frustrating one is the the throwing of the ball that, you know, he's trying to throw out of bounds, as as we said, you know, or, you know, we've seen on Twitter. I, I've said it. I know some other people have said it. The you know, that happened a month ago in, in Pittsburgh. So people who, you know, someone's like, oh, it's easily correctable. Well, he did it a month ago. And like, that's the type of thing that should happen zero times. If it happens one time, you should be like, and look, I get that the Minka one wasn't a pick, but I mean, literally by a blade of grass, like it was that close. That should have been enough to say, you know what? That's never happening again. That's your learning experience. Um, yep. But then you did it again. Uh, and then afterwards you're like, oh, that happened because I'm bored. Um, you know, I'm, I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of throwing the ball away. And listen, I, I, I see these, I see people defending Zach and I, you know, my, I want to defend him too. And I have seen people say some things that I have defended him because it hasn't been all bad, but what has been bad has been absolutely, you know, atrocious. And I, you know, I said a couple weeks ago, um, when they, you know, their, their, their last win, when they had the ball with, with a few minutes to go and they ran it three times in a row and didn't try to throw for a first down, that to me is like I understand you're playing to your strengths and like mm -hmm. from strategically that makes sense, but when you're doing that, you're you're showing zero confidence in your quarterback. Right. And I get like there's you can you can acknowledge the fact that it's the right thing to do, uh, and I get that because you won the game. That was the plan, and it won you the game. Mm -hmm. But the fact that that is the right thing to do is scary. Like. To, to not let to just say, well, we have Zach, so we're just going to go ahead and run it three times in a row. Um, we're and we're willing to get stuffed and punted away and hand the game back over to the defense because we don't think Zach can get it done. They're not throwing the ball, you know, they're very rarely throwing the ball in the red zone, like big spots, and they're they're not showing confidence in him. And for the people that are defending him, um, you know, and I don't mean, you know, for, for people that are sort of refusing to acknowledge what's going on here. Um, here's the way I look at it. Like if, you know, you listen to the Joe Douglas presser the other day and he's talking about, you know, uh, Zach's need to protect the ball because they, they're good enough to win if they can just protect the ball. Um, 
imagine drafting a quarterback. And and this is this is in reference, like I've literally heard people say, like Zach Wilson is right where he needs to be in his development. Like he's this is you know he came from BYU small school. He's you know he's he's coming along. And I, like my thought is okay, let's let's pretend it's the twenty twenty three draft, and you're say you're the Detroit Lions, and you're going to take a quarterback, and you hear like would you ever hear a general manager or a, or a head coach or an offensive coordinator say, um, we took this guy in the top five to play quarterback for us, and our hope is that a year and a half from now, he's far along enough that he can throw the ball out of bounds when he's under pressure, like that's. If we can get to that point, then we're right where we need him to be. 20 games from now, we need him to be able to throw the ball away. That's, I mean, that's where Zach Wilson is right now. Um, yeah. To say that the way he's playing right now is, and you and I, listen, of course, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala are going to defend him. I don't expect them to come out and go, you know what? We're pretty worried. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, for Joe Doug, for anyone, you know, and I've seen people, oh, you know, we're four and one with Zach. Don't, don't go through this again. We went through this with Mark Sanchez. Yep. Like you weren't winning games because of Mark Sanchez. You were doing it in spite of him. And I said after the three-game winning streak, I said, Zach's getting away with some bad play right now because they're winning. Mm-hmm. But as soon as he as soon as they lose a game and and he plays poorly, then he's gonna go under the microscope. And he was able to avoid it for a few weeks. You can't listen again with the Sanchez, you know, I would, I would, people would tell, Oh, he, he won that huge game in San Diego on the, on the road in the playoffs. He threw for a hundred yards. Like he was terrible. And yep. the team, he beat the Bengals. Go back and look at that game. He threw the ball, I think 17 times and they ran it like 48. Like they were doing everything in the world to hide the guy because he was so bad. And that's kind of what the Jets are doing right now, mm-hmm. which is a little bit worrying 20 games in. Yeah, it's certainly worrying. And I know, I believe it was last week, you asked how long should we give a quarterback? And at this rate, if Zach finishes the season healthy, he'll have 27 games under his belt. And after this game specifically, I'm 100% okay with whatever decision they decide to do with Zach at the end of this year, whether it's keep him or move on from him, I'll be okay with it. Like at this point, I'm at the point where I just I, I will move on from him at this point because 27 games in, you're saying that you can't even throw the ball out of bounds. You can't do the easy things right. These checkdowns, these flat routes, you're not even reading guys right. The I feel like Dan Orlovsky uh, pointed it out, so I don't want to like harp on it too much, but he was literally lazy on that first pass. He wasn't looking anywhere toward the defense. He said, oh, I'm going to look at my safety. That's a good thing. And then I'm just going to throw it to my check down and not even – Look at the rest of the field. He had Garrett Wilson standing right in front of his face, wide open. So it's those little things like that. And I mentioned it as you were getting ready to come on. It's almost worse than Darnold because of what he's saying in his press conferences after. I bas- He's basically saying, I know what I'm supposed to do. Just don't really want to do it because I'm bored. I want to be the guy. I want to make the play. And if that's the attitude that we're going to have, I feel like everybody shit on Elijah Moore for having that somewhat attitude when he requested the trade of everybody said, oh, you want 100 yards in a loss instead of 15 yards in a win. Well, I think Zach Wilson kind of got antsy in this game. And it was like, you know, I want to make plays. I had a little success early that that corner route that ended up to Garrett Wilson for 54 yards was beautiful. I just think he got a little bit ahead of himself. And he was like, I got it. I'm confident I can pass on this defense. I can kind of play Madden with it at this point, and that's not the case. 
And New England's going to feast on your mistakes, what Rob Sala harped on all week long. They're going to feast on your mistakes. C.J. Mosley said it. We can't get bored of being bored. All these sayings and cliches that are just pounded into their head all week long, your quarterback just goes rogue. It's just it's it's embarrassing because we both predicted a win, and I'm not saying that they would have won if it wasn't for Zach Wilson, but shit, you put almost any quarterback in that situation. The Jets could win that game by more than one score it's that's the point like the defense was so damn good i kind of talked about the defense when you were gone so we can scroll back to them for you but this defense the way it's playing and if you just have a run game that's 65 percent of what it was with uh Brees hall which it was not on sunday you can win it's this formula is set up i'm tired of people saying it's not sustainable it is sustainable as long as your quarterback doesn't go rogue all of these game plans that Michael Flores put together are sustainable. What was your thoughts getting away from Zach Wilson a little bit? What was your thoughts on the run game? 41 pass attempts for Zach Wilson, 14 running back rushes on the entire game. And this was a one score game throughout most of it. So what was your thoughts on why the run game was abandoned so quickly? Uh, Thank you. on mute. I think we've we've seen it a few times now this year where they abandoned the run a lot earlier than you would expect. Um, and I don't know if it's just that they felt like they weren't getting any push with this O-line. You know, again, more new pieces and different starters and all that. I get it. But, yeah, to, to, to bail on the run that quickly, especially when Zach Wilson, you know, when things started to fall apart. Now, I forget the exact numbers. I don't think the, the disparity from run to pass was that bad. Um, until I think it got really bad late in the game when they mm-hmm. completely when they were just throwing exclusively. You know, I think they're sort of like their last 15, 16 plays were almost exclusively passing plays. Um, but the, giving up on the run as quickly as they have, as often as they have, has been surprising because they've done it a few times in close games. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens if and when, you know, it's, I mean, full stop, it's going to be interesting to see what happens would you know in terms of the tackle spots when Fant and Mitchell come back mm-hmm. uh, because you're gonna have now you're gonna have three or four healthy tackles and we'll find out you know the how how the Jets view this um this depth chart and see you know is it Dwayne Brown I, I would imagine Dwayne Brown stays on the left and yeah. Fant goes to the right but um Fant you know maybe it was the injury but he wasn't nearly as good this year as he was last year mm-hmm um, so they're going to have some decisions to make there, but I think you do have to stick with the run, especially when Wilson again is, is playing as poorly as he has. Now he started off well; he right. looked really good early on, um, and that's you know those part of the flashes we talk about how he has his moments where he looks good, but too often what's what's driving me crazy is the number of times there's an opportunity to make a play if he steps up and makes a throw, but instead he turns and bails, and he you know. He doesn't just drop back. He sprints back 10, 12, 15 yards, and then he's getting, you know, he, he does a spin move, and then he's getting chased, and he's got to make a throw on the run. Um, so he's kind of – he's his own worst enemy in a lot of spots, and I think that seeing him in that presser, you know, that's really the first time we've seen him pissed off, which was kind of good. It's like, all right, well, maybe yeah. this will maybe this will light a fire. Maybe, maybe next week he will step up in the pocket and make the throw. Um, as someone mentioned to me the other day, they said, you know, they said, can you think of a time when he stepped, you know, since getting drafted, that he stepped up in the pocket and took a shot and made a throw? And 
I, I have like vague recollections of a couple. I'm sure there was one in his in his first game against Carolina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been some, but you just don't see it enough. Um, so you know, then then of course the the questions are going to start. You know, is it the injury history? Is he worried about getting a a more severe injury? Basically, yeah. is he playing scared? Um, which is about the worst thing you can have. I mean, it's even the best even the best offensive lines are going to give up hits and pressures and. If you look at his numbers, what is he like four for sixty-one? Something ridiculous under pressure. Yeah. Um, uh, even even if the O line holds up, opposing defenses are just going to send extra blitzers if they know that this guy, you know, completely loses any and all ability to complete a pass under pressure. Why wouldn't you send seven or eight guys if that's what it takes? If you know that there's a, a you know a six percent chance he's going to complete a pass, he's just got to be better. Um, yeah. The O line hasn't been perfect, but I think to a lot of fans, when they see Zach Wilson running in their mind, they go, oh, the O-line getting him killed. No, watch the replay. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times? We should know as Jets fans. We spent the last however many years watching the pocket start to collapse, but the quarterback steps up and makes a throw, avoids the pressure, and now that our own quarterback isn't doing it, everyone's just assuming that the offensive line is getting killed. Now, again, the offensive line hasn't been great. But they haven't been nearly as bad as people are saying they are. No, and I, I mentioned it at the top that you need to have trust both quarterback to offensive line and offensive line to quarterback. The quarterback needs to trust that they're going to keep him in the pocket upright, but the offensive line needs to trust that he's going to stay in the pocket upright. Where he's, where not, he's supposed to be. Exactly, and not fleece out and go out of the pocket and act rogue because you, I think it was the Michael Carter red zone pass um, Zach Wilson is just drifting along and Connor McGovern just stops because in his head, in his mental clock, Zach Wilson had the ball out of his hands to a receiver and his job was done. The play was over, but no, Zach Wilson's behind him playing dance, dance revolution. And then he throws it off his back foot and it's just, it's silliness. So it's those little things still can't get it right. Um, back to the and run you're seeing, game. You're, you're seeing plays where the tackles sort, you know, they maintain their block for two and a half, three oh, yeah. and a half, four seconds. Yep. But then all of a sudden he just kind of rolls out. And now, now the defensive end or that outside linebacker who was crashing inside, th- the tackle doesn't know Zach's gone outside. Exactly. So they just completely lose the guy. And that's the how tackles, you get holding penalties. Yep. Exactly. That's how you get holds. That's how you get quarterback hits. And a lot of fans look at that and go, oh, look, the tackle just gave up that big hit. Right. But where was the tackle blocking and where did the quarterback go? And you're seeing Zach Wilson leave the pocket, go way outside, and you can't block a lineman when the quarterback is that far outside if you're expecting the quarterback to be, you know, over your right shoulder and he's 10 yards to your left. Exactly. And they they credited New England's defense with 13 total pressures on Zach Wilson. Yeah. They gave five each to Cedric Abouye yep. and Blaine Brown. Yep. You know what that tells me? Zach left the pocket too damn early, too damn often. Those pressures should not have come to should be their responsibility. They should be Zach's responsibility. And I think that's another layer of pressure that needs to be added into the whole context of the pressure discussion is how much of it is your quarterback acting rogue and creating the pressure because he's not getting the ball out on time. So, yeah. And if, and if you look at the total number of dropbacks, Dylan, that, I mean, that, that tells you right there, 14 pressures, what was it? 41 dropbacks. So it's not a, it's not a great rate. But the number of people I see talking about this as if Zach Wilson got pressured 37 times. Yeah, this you know, wasn't it, the game where he had a free rusher coming from like he'll boot action and he's nope. back to the defense and there's a free rusher when he turns around. This was not the case. He had plenty of examples and I wasn't going to 
you know, cherry pick on the all 22 and screenshot every single pocket that Zach Wilson had on Sunday. But I almost got to that point because I was just so tired of hearing the, the offensive line narrative. I was, it's, it's not that bad for what no. it is. They've really only got one player right now that is new and that's a Bouye. Everybody else has been there for a little bit. Now they have the chemistry, especially left tackle to center. They've played for a long time together. The right guard, yeah. heard has been there for a couple weeks, but really it's just Cedric Abouye who's the difference. And he was not bad. He was not like glaring bad. And that's that's what you want from your offensive line at this point. It's it's hard to slice it any other way, but it's Zach Wilson and then one play of John Franklin Myers that truly cost this team the football game. And and you it sucks because we haven't even said all of the great things that happened on offense. Because all of this just gets overlooked by Zach's crap. Two receivers with over six catches, Conklin and Wilson. Two, three receivers over 75 yards, Conklin, Wilson, and Mims. Wilson was the player of the week, rookie, uh, rookie of the week again. Fifth straight week for a Jet. So all these bright spots, and then we're sitting here spending 25 minutes talking about a kid that can't even throw the damn ball out of bounds. So it's super and, uh, you know. What did you think on the like? I get the Garrett Wilson, the the deep ball that Zach was on the run, but mm-hmm. every time I watch that play, I just think if he had led him to the outside, that's a touchdown. Mm-hmm. He's got nothing but green yeah. grass in front of him, you know, in front and toward the right sideline. But that throw pulls him back inside toward the safety. Yep, and he's got to slow down a little bit. So I keep hearing, and listen, I'm not. It's a big play. I'll take it. It's a great play. But yeah. I keep hearing it referred to as like this this majestic Zach Wilson throw. Like, oh, don't forget he had that amazing throw. And I'm like, well, it was it. I mean, he got it where it was catchable. But to me, an amazing throw is you lead him toward the right sideline to open space, and that's a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's become a trend with even Zach Wilson's good throws. You want to talk about a great throw? I'll give you a great throw that didn't come from Zach Wilson. It came from Sam Darnold. Robbie Anderson against Dallas after they got mm-hmm. the turnover in the red zone yep. and they threw the bomb to Rob. That is a great pass. Doesn't so, break stride, full no, speed, exactly. right over his shoulder into into his arms and away he, from defenders. Just keeps going. Yep. And I, and I'm not saying let's go get Sam Darnold back to replace Zach Wilson, but I'm saying probably get him. Probably get him for cheap. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you can get away with a lot more when Zach Wilson just does the little things right because then we're not sitting here talking about oh you're great play it really wasn't that great because it could have been six Denzel Mims. That should not have been a back shoulder pass on the first drive. That's a touchdown. If he puts that ball on the numbers, uh, when uh, Mims came across the formation and ran the streak, he had the defender. He was even. So he was leaving. Zach put it on the outside shoulder on the sideline instead of putting it inside on the numbers. And Denzel Mims makes those catches. I know I've not really stuck up for Mims a lot this year, but Mims will make those catches. And I thought it was going to be six. So yeah, it's definitely a common thread with Zach of even his good throws. You can still nitpick and say, well, the ball placement wasn't great. And his right. defender or his uh, playmaker had way more yak potential, which this game was all about yak. A lot of this, a lot of these plays were yak plays. Tyler Conklin, Denzel Mims. Obviously, the one play to Garrett Wilson was mostly air yards, 47 air yards. But you throw for 350 and you're getting yak out of your playmakers. It's all winning formula. So you just can't go rogue. I'm ready to move on to the defense. Uh, I'll let you go. Um, I talked about it. Six sacks, a pick, almost a second pick, if not for the boneheaded turnover that kind of deflated the game. So what was your overall take of the defense before we get into the, the nitty gritty? 
I mean, they, they were fantastic. When you look at the, the the Patriots, they held them to field goals. And really, the Patriots, because special teams was uh, was having such a rough day, New England kept getting great starting field position. All mm-hmm. the Patriots had to do was get 20, 25 yards, and they were in field goal range. So, really, the Jets' defense, is, as far as I'm concerned, did an even better job than the scoreboard would indicate. And uh, and the, well, then the box score would indicate. And, it, again, it was mostly field goals. So, they, they kept stepping up. They kept making plays. And unfortunately, it, it wasn't enough because the, the, uh, New England kept starting all their drives so so deep in uh, well, I mean, not deep in Jets territory, but I think their average starting field position was like the the forty one or something like that, like way more than you would want it to be forty one, forty two. Yeah, they showed so, the graphic midway through the fourth, and it was like average was their own forty three. Okay, so, yeah, you're, you're so yeah, in, I mean, you're not gonna do much, and holding them to five field goals was absolutely phenomenal by the way yeah so so i thought the defense did great and it it kind of goes back to what i said last week which was you know how good can this defense really be like that's we're gonna find out this week and that's why i said last week this is a game i'm looking forward to because if you go out there yeah i mean they're not beating buffalo this week they might not score a touchdown um but if you go out there and you hold buffalo to you know i don't know what's a good number for this like you hold them under 24 points Considering the, fact, mm-hmm. considering the fact your defense is going to be tired because they're going to be on the field a lot. Um, but if you can find a way to slow this this Buffalo offense down, that kind of shows you're ready to play with the big boys. You just need the quarterback to make some plays. And um, listen, I mean, it, it, the frustrating part, I, I was going to touch on this. I'm glad you mentioned that the 20 games thing. I meant to say it earlier. Because, um, c- you know, I'm the one that I, I always say you can't because I, I was actually because I, I had the Jets hat on. I was out this week. Uh, Somebody approached me and was like, oh, you guys, you know, your quarterback, you got to give him time, which I've always said. I'm always like, you got to give a player three years. You got to give him three years. You gotta, mm-hmm. That's the standard. But when you are at game 20 and moving backwards, that's when it's a worry. Like he's not even – you can't even look at Zach Wilson right now and say, well, he's kind of plateaued at the minute. He's not moving forward, but he's still – you know, there's still time for that. But he is moving backward. He is getting worse. Go, You know, we talked a million times about late last year – when you saw him with the quick snaps, the quick reads, the quick throws, the ball was out. Like th- then it looked like, okay, he's coming along. Like that's the progress you're expecting to see. And then the next step is you keep doing that, but you know, you do a better job of moving the ball, putting points on the board. Mm-hmm. And now he, he's moving backwards. So you can say to me, Glenn, you know, you always say, give a guy three years or the quarterback needs 20 games. Zach's not there yet. He needs another year. Okay, fine. But can we not acknowledge the fact that he's gotten worse from last year to this year? And the talent is insanely better. I mean, really, last year it was Braxton Berrios and Keelan Cole down the stretch. Now he's got Garrett Wilson. He's got Elijah Moore, even though it doesn't feel like it. He's had Corey Davis most of the year. And he's worse. And that's worrying. And if you can't see that, like, I, I get loving the team and supporting the team. But you can't be, like, you know, like state-sponsored you know, propagandist who just every <laughs> every single thing there has to be a an excuse as to what like listen I, every week I what was it oh uh, they, they played uh you know Washington they have a great secondary they played Green Bay they have a great secondary you played Bill Belichick he stuff are we gonna have an excuse every week like right tell tell me which games on the schedule r- remaining on the schedule I should expect Zach Wilson to play well because exactly. he can't play he can't do a job against good defenses. He can't do a job against great defenses. And he can't do a good job against good coaches. 
So when do they face a bad coach with a terrible secondary, and I can look forward to a good game? And this is this is what I should be wanting Detroit. from a, from a, you know a top five quarterback. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely silly. And to probably answer your question, it'd be Detroit. Um, but it's exactly that's week 14, 15, 16 on the schedule. And all right, I look second. forward to it then. Exactly. That, that, that's, that's the game. What we gotta see. That's what that's when we can judge Zach Wilson. Yeah. You can't judge him against good teams, against average teams, against okay teams, or against good head coaches. We gotta his his wheelhouse. Wait till you see Zach Wilson against a bad team with a bad head coach. That's when he's gonna prove he's a great quarterback. Come on, give me a yeah. break. And Melvin said it in the chat here. I would take 150 yards from Zach Wilson in a win versus 300 in a loss all day. Absolutely. I would take zero yards and exa- a win. I was about to say, I would even I would go take less zero. than 100. Yep, absolutely. Like my, my whole thing, the reason why I was complaining, you know, on Twitter a couple weeks ago or whatever with the, you know, only throwing for 120 and no touchdowns. And be like, yeah, but he's winning, but he's winning. And my thing was, but they're not going to keep winning if he keeps doing that. And, exactly. and everyone's like, oh, well, this week he threw for 350 and touchdowns and they lost. Right, but he turned it over three times. Like they've been limiting his throws for three weeks, yep. and ha- again having him throw it out of bounds, and that's how they've protected themselves. And so this week he decides to try to make some plays, and he gets bored of throwing the ball out of bounds. So yeah, he puts up some more numbers, but he turns it over three times. So when they're winning, it's despite him, at, l- at least so far this year. And then this year he tried to light it up a little bit and he put up some numbers, but he made some boneheaded throws that you don't expect to see from a guy who's going to be your franchise quarterback. So yes, I, I, I just want the wins, you know? And, and I've said this before, like on a week to week basis, talk to me on Sunday, you know, Sunday night and tell me they, he threw for zero yards and they won. I'm happy. But when I take a step back and look at the big picture, I'm going to say, but can they keep doing this? Can you keep having a quarterback, not throw a touchdown every week? and not break 130 yards and win a game, history tells me no. And we saw that this week. Yeah. If you're going to tell me that that is your game plan to win five games out of your total win total, whatever that is, sure, then I understand that that's game plan specific. But you got to have a couple games in there where Zach Wilson can go out, at least have the first quarter that he did against New England. I know there was some ball placement errors like we talked about, but – he still made big plays. So I think he surpassed his last two weeks yard total in the first half alone with 152. So honestly, that that alone, 152 was enough for me. I didn't need him to do anything else besides that. And one last thing I will say, because it was pointed out to me um, when I posted that offensive play charting on Twitter, um, somebody mentioned that they aren't doing enough RPO stuff. And I think they're doing enough of it. I would love to see them do more. But I think Zach is actually really excelling at the RPO stuff because it's simplified. It's either you hand the ball to the guy or you look at one guy, and if he's not there, you hand it off. Like It's just super simple. He's been actually pretty good on those like glance routes to whether it's Wilson or Conklin, and they're kind of opening it up more with more options with a, a swing route with the RPO coming into the backfield. So I actually like the RPO game. I want to see him do a lot more. Obviously, you can't do a full game plan off RPO, I think, they're doing that in Miami with Tua and it's kind of working, but they, they're, they're a different team. So you want to see them put Zach Wilson in a better position, but you go back and look at the all 22 and they're putting him in pretty much the best position they could put him in for everything that he does. And yeah, you mentioned it. Play, uh, dropbacks are going down 36 to 21 to 18. And then obviously he gets to jump up to 41 against New England. That's not that's not good a good look. And if you're winning, fine. But the second the season's over, you have to go back and evaluate 
every position, including the quarterback position. And I fear that's where we're going with Zach Wilson. And that, you know, that, that was another point I wanted to make, Dylan. And as, as Melvin just said here was something we touched on earlier, um, that they abandoned the run too soon. But mm-hmm. one thing I, I keep seeing, and I, I, I can't get my head around it, right? I hate that cliche, but I really, I, I see these people saying, why are Jets fans upset? Nobody expected this team to make the playoffs anyway. What's the big deal? And I'm just like, so so if they started 8-0 and then lost nine in a row, I should be happy because right. I didn't expect them to make the playoffs. Like, right. as I said to you, I, I said the ceiling was nine wins, which some years will, will get you to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I didn't predict the playoffs, but I thought best case scenario was nine wins, whether they get to the playoffs or not, you know, who knows. But to say that sitting at five and two, we shouldn't complain if they fall apart because they started better than we expected. Like, is is it are, is it that bad now? This team has been so bad for so long that a surprisingly large number of fans are so happy with a, a with a good first month of the season that they're like, okay, good. I'm not going to worry what happens the rest of the way. We had an awesome five-week stretch. We were great. Who cares if we lose the next nine in a row? I'm going to spend all. I'm going to spend the whole off season on my NFL package rewatching weeks two through six and be in all my glory. Right. Exactly. Why are you dwelling on the losses and the fact the quarterback isn't getting better? Stop being so negative. You didn't expect the playoffs. What do you? I don't get that. You're you're once you're five and two, that should be your thought process. Oh yeah. This team is on a playoff path right now. You can't take these years for granted. You don't know what's going to happen next year. No, nope. you don't know what's going to happen in camp and injuries and trades and what teams are going to add. Like all you know right now is you very well may have an elite defense, and if you have an elite anything on either side of the ball, you push and you try to win. You go, yep. And to sit back and be like, "Oh, don't worry, we'll just be awesome again next year on defense." So what? Why are you worried? We didn't expect the playoffs. I, what do you mean? Yeah, I think obviously as the season progresses your expectations have to change. Like you might've predicted seven and 10, eight and nine, nine and eight, whatever the case is earlier on in the season. As soon as you get to five and two, that goes out the window. You're now looking at double double digits, 11 hosting a playoff game, winning the division, maybe not in this specific division, but I, I look at it. The dolphins are what four and four. They're a game behind us. They, they made a trade with their first round pick to go get Bradley Chubb. Two was at a press conference talking about we're not afraid to talk about going to the Super Bowl. Okay, why aren't the Jets talking? I'm not saying they need to come out and verbally say that to the public. Like, okay, we are looking at the playoffs, but that should be the mindset of not just the players, the coaches, the fans too. I, I'm tired of this, oh, yeah, uh, we, we thought five, six wins. That's really it. So, yeah, we can just book it for the rest of the season, call it a day, and, and I'm cool with wherever we end up in the draft. No. We're, we, you and I personally love the draft. I want the Jets draft pick to be as bad as possible because that means we get to sit up here on Thursdays and talk about the actual thing that about matters, wins. the end goal, yeah. the Jets winning games. So it's so frustrating. You have to adjust your expectations as they come because obviously nobody expected this. But That's what I mean. Like you start 8-0, expect- no, are you still sitting there going, well, I don't care if they never win. I don't care if they don't win another game this year because I didn't expect the playoffs. And if they don't make it, that's fine. Like, you know, you know what else they didn't expect was a graphic to come out this week saying the Jets had the second hardest schedule remaining in the season. And I understand that when you looked at the schedule back in May when it came out, oh, these are a couple cupcakes of Detroit, Seattle, Jacksonville, Miami, whatever. 
Chicago. These aren't cupcakes anymore. They're still winnable games by what the Jets have put on tape and the formula we've seen them win by, but they're not going to be gimmies anymore. So this whole back half of the um, schedule is going to be easier for them. Right. It's not. And, and the immediate, immediate future doesn't get any brighter. No. You got the best team in the AFC, probably the best team in the NFL other than the Eagles. And you could argue the bills are probably better than the Eagles. I would, I would take the bills. Exactly. If that was the super bowl, I'd probably put my money on the bills. So they come to MetLife this week. Obviously the jets are kind of licking their wounds, scraping themselves up off the turf after last week. And that's not where you wanted to be. You wanted to be six and six and two going into this game. Instead you're five and three. I, I feel bad, but like I'm kind of already looking at the bye week because the Jets really need it right now. And five and four, I, I will, I'm already saying it, it's going to be a loss. My prediction is going to be a loss score, yeah, but yeah. it five and four still looks really damn good. And I'm not mad about it. If you lose your, your two games going into the bye to be five and four, way better than anybody would have expected. So you come out of the bye, you face New England again, which everybody seems like they're waiting for in the building. And you go from there. It's a completely new season. So if you want to touch on the Bills, you touch on it first. My only nugget was that they're 6-0 and coming off the bye week with Sean McDermott. And I can't remember the last time the Jets actually beat them in a meaningful game. So you, you go and get, say what you got about the Bills. I mean, listen, there's not a lot to say. This is the best <laughs> team on the Jets' schedule. Their defense is good enough that there's no reason to believe the Jets' offense is going to be able to do anything against them this week. Um, the, you know, the, the Jets best hope moving forward and look, maybe it'll happen. I don't know, but maybe over the next, let's say the next three to four weeks between you got the bills, you got to buy, you got the Pats. It, if, if for the last five, maybe six games of the year, Zach Wilson can elevate his level of play and the defense keeps playing the way they are. This team has a shot at the playoffs. Um, but they do not have a shot to beat the bills this week. Um, listen, it, it I say it all the time. At kickoff, I'm predicting a win every every game. Doesn't oh, matter who they're playing. When they kick off, I'm 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 watching that game as if they're going to win. Um, but just looking at it objectively, um, they're not going to win this game. And I would I would love I would love nothing more than to come on here Thursday and say, well, they made me look like an idiot because they went out and beat Buffalo. Um, and really, the only way that happens is if the defense, as good as they've been, they're going to have to come out and play their best game. By far, oh yeah, and force three or four turnovers, and Zach is going to have to not turn it over. Um, and even then, uh, I'm thinking close game. If, if like best case scenario, Jets keep it close. But I think the Bills win this game running away. Um, who was it? It was either Rich Semini or Dan Leberfeld tweeted the other day. I think it was Leberfeld. Um, when's the last time a five and two, five and three team was a, a 13 point underdog at home? Um, and that's who the Jets are right now. I think. Listen, if I'm a if I'm an odds maker and I'm looking at the way Zach Wilson is playing right now, and I'm looking at that Bills defense, I'm gonna say like I I don't think the Jets find the end zone, and Buffalo, even as good as the Jets defense is, Buffalo's gonna score some points. The only the only way this Sunday is a real catastrophe is if the Bills just move the ball at will, because then you have to think, oh damn, uh, like ha is it really just the fact that Jets have played some bad QBs that their their defenses look this good? Because this is their first – we talked about it last week. Aaron Rodgers right now is an Aaron Rodgers. Nope. I know you beat him. That's great. Still a good player. But that Packers offense is nothing to be scared of right now. Nope. This is the first test this year the Jets are going to have with their starting quarterback 
and their health a healthy defense going against an elite offense. And if they go out there, if the Bills score 45 points, that's gonna, I'll tell you what, man, that's gonna be as demoralizing as hell. They go the Bills beat them 24, 10, 20, 27, whatever. Oh, yeah, it's okay. Like I that I can live with. Yep. It's it's it can't be it can't be, you know, Josh Allen goes out and throws four or five touchdown passes. Yeah, so the I'll do the the bright side first. In the last season and a half, Josh Allen has six games with two or more interceptions. So I definitely think there will be chances for opportunities to be made by this defense. Like you said, they're going to have to play their best game. Sauce versus uh, Stefan Diggs is going to be, you know, popcorn on the recliner type material. I obviously don't anticipate Sauce Gardner winning more often than losing. I think this will be the matchup where it's almost like a welcome to the NFL type moment. Not saying he's going to do bad by any stretch, but six games for Josh Allen, multiple touch uh, interceptions, excuse me. But he only has one game this season with one or fewer touchdown passes. So that's what makes me very nervous. Like you said, limited to 24, 28 points. If the Jets all of a sudden find themselves in a 10-point ball game in the fourth quarter, I think that would exceed my expectations way far um i'm not going to predict a 48 to 10 bludgeoning like we've normally seen from the bills i'd be very disappointed if it happened but i could see a scenario where you know the bills offense has a short field opposite of what we're saying the jets need to do get a short field for themselves i could see the bills having a lot of short field based off the way their defense is playing and zach wilson's playing so yeah limit the turnovers again Coddle your quarterback again if it needs, if that's what it takes. Get to the bye week and don't embarrass yourself this week is basically what I'm trying to say because this is the game where you could embarrass yourself very easily. And I don't think Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and the Bills, the way that they're chirping at every single opponent, you see it on the on the, the highlight clips coming down the tunnel with uh, Jair Alexander and they're chirping at each other. It's just they're going to get under the Jets' skin. They're going to do everything they can because that's what they do. They're bullies. The Bills are basically bullies. They've done it to the Jets and when before. You, when you're that good, you can be. And exactly. And I, I even tweeted it out. I said the Bills toe the line of sportsmanship a lot. I've seen a lot of um, after-the-whistle shenanigans on both sides, you know, people trying to go after the Bills and vice versa. So I think they toe the line of sportsmanship, but rightfully so. They're the best team, and they can, they can talk that shit essentially because they've backed it up for all these – you know, it's been a, a stretch of what two years now for uh, Josh Allen, where he's really yeah, come he's on monster. and looked like the guy. I'd say even two and a half seasons. I'm looking at his game logs on Pro Football Reference. Yeah, I'd say maybe mid year two, and he started clicking. And please, every every Jets fan that is still trying to hold on to the Zach Wilson could be the outlier J- Josh Allen. Please stop. Just please stop. He's not Josh Allen. He's not going to be Josh Allen. And on the off chance that he is Josh Allen, it's not going to happen anytime soon. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Everybody needs to pump the brakes, but this game could get rough. I'm predicting 24-12. How about you? Uh, well, like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say uh, some somewhere on the somewhere along the lines of uh, 27-9. 20, you know, maybe if you see a. Uh, uh, the defense pick up a fumble and run it back. I don't see the offense scoring a touchdown unless it's garbage time. Put it that way. So I'm going to say 27-9. Jets don't find the end zone. 
unless uh, we have a fourth quarter situation where the uh, the offense, you know, the, the, the Bills get complacent on defense and and the Jets, you know, manage to, to string something together. If they do score, like like on a clean, sustained drive, actually move the ball down the field, I expect that to be kind of like this weekend where it happens very early on. Maybe the first set of scripted plays works out well. But that's, uh, you know, we, we've talked about the last couple of weeks how Zach Wilson, even when he's had a clean pocket, he's had some big misses early on. So um, I, I, I would, if I had to guess, I would say the Jets don't find the end zone this week, barring, a, again, defense or a, a garbage time touchdown. Yeah, glad there is a mute button on this stream because I just had a pretty bad coughing fit. I, yeah, you I'm okay? Same, yeah, I'm good. I've been nursing a cough all week. Um, I'm in the same boat. No offensive touchdowns. That's why I said 12. I think Greg Zerlong yep. is going to be the main point scorer of the game unless yep. you can get into those short field situations, get lucky. I'm not even counting garbage time because if you score another garbage time touchdown, it is what it is. You've done it against Baltimore. You've done it against uh, Cincinnati. So – I'm kind of expecting a garbage time touchdown at this point, but don't let it yep, come Mel- to garbage time. Melvin know? there says 35-17 Bills, which I, that means two Jets touchdowns. I'd be pretty surprised. Hopefully it's one defensive because, I yeah, it's very hard to see. But I would love a defensive touchdown, especially after last week when they got robbed of that one. Oh, that I would one. I would, I would, would love to see Elijah Moore catch a few footballs and make a play. Um, but I think, I, I think the Jets are um, – I think we might see this for a few weeks. I think it might see a, a lot of uh, sort of 10 snaps, 11 snaps for more. Hopefully it was a one-game thing because, listen, whether we like what he did or not, he's still on the team, he's still yep. a part of the future, and you still want him to develop. So get him out there, get him some targets. Um, but, you know, I don't know if you touched on it early on, Dylan, um, but how about Denzel Mims, man? I mean, oh, yeah. that the, the, the catch he made on that ball, that it was so poorly thrown that he, he couldn't stay in bounds. Mm-hmm. But that was a phenomenal Phenomenal catch from Zach Wilson on the sideline, leaping, spinning, snatched, you know, high points, snatched it out of the air. Beautiful catch. Comes yeah. down out of bounds because it was poorly thrown. Um, the the big 62, 63 yarder later in the game. Oh, and yeah. Denzel Mims, man, he brings more as who was it? Somebody, I forget who, Peter King, one of the insider type folks, whoever um said that, you know, the Jets now view Mims as like a weekly part of the game plan. Like he's back in the rotation. Good. Um, which is which is fantastic news because yeah, you know, listen, it's it's only a couple games. I'm not I'm not saying let's sign him to a five year extension, but I've I've been saying now for all, at least all of last year and all th- like people are writing him off too early. I get that it's discouraging. Even I got to the point where I was like, maybe I'm being too a little, little too optimistic here. Like, am I mm-hmm. is this is this my 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 green colored glasses? You know, drinking the Kool Aid, whatever term you want to use, because yeah. I liked Mim so much, but. Every time I would go back and watch his rookie film, I'm like, the guy can play. Like, even if he's not going to be great, he can be a good player. And there's nothing wrong with being a good player. Right. So it looks like Mims is going to be part of the rotation, which is great for the run game. And if you start, you know, putting the ball on target, let him make some plays. That's another weapon for you. And that's, you know, that that's the intriguing thing, whether it's Buffalo or anybody. It, it's all on Zach. If Zach Wilson comes out on any given Sunday, and is on target and like hitting the open guy. He's got weapons galore. Oh, yeah. The web, the ability to put up forty any given week. If if the if the light comes on for him, forty points should be sort of expected. But at the moment, he can't throw it out of bounds. So it's it's a it's truly amazing how 
boom or bust this offense could be on a weekly basis. And I think getting back to Denzel Mims, his his emergence, so to speak, obviously it was timed up perfectly with this Corey Davis injury. And I mentioned yep. it at the top, Corey Davis uh, entering the stadium last Sunday, Zach Rosenblatt had a video of him and he could not put any weight on his right leg. Like he was swinging it around the side each step. So it doesn't look like we're going to have him back this game. Uh, hopefully he's back for New England, but how does this offense sustain if Denzel Mims is still good? How do they sustain two taller, big body receivers when the narrative has been, oh, they like these smaller, shiftier slot guys? And they also can't get Elijah Moore on the field. So you, you're going to have to adjust your game plan if Mims continues to work this well in the offense and Corey mm-hmm. Davis comes back and is your best wide receiver from multiple standpoints, not just uh, receiving, but blocking as well. So I, I think me. the Jets would like nothing more than for Denzel Mims to play well enough that they can. And I, I hate to say it because I like Corey Davis. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, there's been talk and I, and I understand I've heard a lot. of. I said it myself, you know, last year that Corey Davis, unless he lights it up this year, is going to be a cap casualty. Like his, his, his cap number next year is big enough. And the savings the Jets get by cutting him is huge. So it was like, he's going to have to play really well this year to get that money. Well, a couple, two big things here. One, he has played that well. He, you know, when he's been healthy, he's been phenomenal. But to me, the more important thing is looking at his production, even considering what you can save by cutting him, looking at his production and his salary and comparing it to just what has happened to receiver salaries just in the last year, he is now a bargain. If he keeps playing the way he is and and, and putting oh, up yeah. these numbers, by next year, he might – like I've gone from thinking the Jets are going to cut him to save money to thinking he might come to the Jets and be like, I need a pay raise. Because yeah, right. – like guys who are putting up my numbers, they're getting 19 million a year. And, yep. you know, again, I'm, I'm talking again, of course, if he keeps producing the way he is, you know, we know he was, I don't know if he is now because he had the injury, but as of a couple of weeks ago, he was like top five in the NFL in, in, uh, in explosive plays. Like the yeah. guy is making plays, as you said, as we've talked about from the minute he was signed, excellent blocker, making big plays down the field yep. at a position where the good guys are now getting 15, 16, 17, 18 million. So, I thought before this year he was, you know, and again, this I'm not saying this because I don't like him. I like him a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, but I thought looking at the way that deal was structured, like, okay, the Jets are going to look to move on from him. So they would probably love for Denzel Mims to morph into Corey Davis so they could then move on. But exactly. if he doesn't, and again, he, he relatively becomes a bargain. Yeah, exactly. And I think that is the hope now that Mims can become that just to force the decision, whether they make it or not to actually cut ties with Davis and save the money, just make it a decision, you know, make it hard on Joe Douglas to actually make that decision of, do I stick with the veteran or do I go cap cost effective and go with Denzel Mims? So I'm totally in agreement there. I love Corey Davis. I think the stat was like high 80% or low 90% of his catches are going for a first, first down downs or, or touchdowns or yep. a touchdown. So it's like, it's what? Crazy. you, you got to keep this guy on the field, no matter what I, I foresee when he comes back, him having the most wide receiver snaps out of the entire room, but you have to make it, make it work. You have too many weapons at this point to make it not work. And I think Michael Ford will do that. I know we're getting a little overtime here, but I think Michael Ford will do that. And it all comes down to Zach at the end of the day. So any final thoughts on, on bills or anything like that that we've discussed before 
I'm not I'm not ready to do draft, but if, if you want to have draft, you can throw a couple players out there. Uh, just one play. I mean, you know, nothing else to add on the game. I expect a loss. I hope it's competitive. I, hell, I hope the, I hope Zach Wilson comes out and goes, you know, 19 for 24 and four touchdowns and they win the game. That's what I hope. Yeah. Uh, but based on what we've seen of him of late, we won't. But again, it's th- that's going to be the interesting thing to me. And, and as I said earlier, this is the first time we've seen him pissed off. Does he come out pissed off and sort of willing to hang in the pocket, make the tough throws, hit the open man? And if he does that, we got a ball game. Put it that way. At the very least, we got a game worth watching if Zach Wilson is even okay. Uh, but if he comes out and plays the way he has in recent weeks, if he thinks he's going to come out against the Bills and throw for 110 yards and win, uh, you know, without throwing a touchdown pass against Josh Allen, that's just not going to happen. Um, in terms of prospect, only one player I wanted to mention watched a couple of his games last week, came away really impressed and wondered. I took a look to see who they're playing this week to see if he was getting a tough matchup. And as it turns out, he is. So uh, Arizona wide receiver Jacob Cowing. Um, okay, I yep. watched a couple of his games last week. Thought he looked really good. And now this year, this week, they've got Utah. So he's going to face uh, – he's, he's a hot receiver who's probably going to get some reps against some top-notch corners. So uh, Cowing is a guy that I'm going to be looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, Cowing is a guy that I actually just got put on my radar a couple weeks ago. I'm trying to pull up some stats on him. I probably won't be able to do it in time. But, yeah, I, I like his um, his game from the wide receiver perspective. So I'm glad that he's getting some tough games down the stretch. I know they've had a little bit of some easy ones down there. Yeah. Um, I only watched I'll, – I'll just watch – since you threw out one, I'll throw out one. I watched Penn State, Ohio State last week, and Joey Porter Jr., I mean – I Dude. didn't watch him exclusively, but I I almost wish talked, the Jets needed a corner for we this. We talked guy. about him offline a few weeks ago. I, I forget what I, I was watching did. when I messaged you and I was like, because I watched him last year and he was good. Yeah. I forget, you know, I watched a lot of Penn State last year because I like the receivers, I like Dotson, I like the linebackers. Um, and so I, you know, Porter, I was like, okay, there's Joey Porter's kid, Joey Porter's kid. He looked good. Mm-hmm. And then I forget which game I watched him in. Uh it was a few weeks back now. And I was like, oh, my God, like he was lights out. And I mean, he he I think he had probably three or four passes defended in that game. Um, he, he's a monster. He is yeah. a monster. And I, I had the same thought. I was like, I wish the Jets, you know, I want that guy, but you don't you know, you're not going to draft him. But damn, is he good when you have a top five, top three cornerback room already it's obviously hard to fit in somebody like a yeah. joey porter jr but yeah you mentioned the passes defense last year in 13 games he had four with one interception this year already through eight games he has 11 so i was gonna say I, I can't remember which game it was but he had three or four in the in the first game i watched i think i actually sent you that clip he made a great play on a ball yeah. that he broke up and it, and the receiver still caught it like the ball popped up in the air and the receiver it was a great job by the yep. receiver but the play by Porter was fantastic. 99 times out of 100, the receiver doesn't get it. And yep. then he, he just had a couple in that game. They were just perfect. Like he, his, the length, his arms are say, ridiculous. Yeah. They're like sauce, you know, like, you know, or Michael Clemens. He's, he's going to have like, like 86 inch arms. And there, yeah. there were plays where he's literally just reaching around the receiver's back and getting his hand into the guy's chest and swatting the ball away. He's, He's something else, man. I was going to say, if if Jets fans can go back a couple weeks to the Green Bay game when Romeo Dobbs ran that corner post-stop route against Sauce and Sauce came behind him, bear-hugged him, and knocked the ball free, that is just Porter's tape littered. His click closed downhill with his length and speed, 
he's super impressive. Obviously, he's yeah. got the the NFL pedigree being Joey Porter Sr.'s son, and Joey Porter was he was, he was a, pretty he was damn bad, good. Man. So if bad. his kid is even you know half the the mentality of a Joey Porter, that's just going to be an NFL star in the making. So yeah, he was the one guy I really wanted to bring to the table because it's been a couple weeks since we've had draft talk and. I'm not going to go full doom and gloom after one loss. We're still five and three. I didn't fire up a mock draft machine or anything like that, but getting Joey Porter's name out there, even though we don't really need that position with somebody that definitely needed to be highlighted before season's end. Yeah. And and a shout out to, uh, I I know we, I think it was before the season started. I mentioned RJ Mickens, uh, Ray Mickens kid on Clemson. Oh yeah. Uh, He had the game clinching interception this week and uh, Victor Green's kid, former jet safety had, uh, he had a touchdown again this week for, uh, UNC second week in a row, he found the end zone. So it's uh makes you feel old when you're my age and you're watching the children of your favorite players play at a high level in college, but it's nice to see. I'm glad I'm happy for those guys. That is crazy. And uh another name just to throw one out there in the the lineage of football players and kids. Frank Gore's uh son is at Southern Miss right now and he's doing pretty well. So it we're gonna see it soon. It's gonna be just another wave. Uh Marvin Harrison Jr., his his poof if he was coming out in this draft he'd be number one so yeah it's kind of nutty and i'm excited to get into it but that's gonna do it for us um next week we do have the bye week so glenn and i are gonna try to put it out on jet nation's twitter possibly in the forums get some questions uh from you guys we're gonna try to do a mailbag uh probably not the whole episode because an hour-long mailbag is pretty long so we're gonna Obviously, recap the Bills game next week, do a little bit of mailbag, and we're going to get into these rookies and halfway point of the season, how they're doing, what they can improve on, what we want to see from them moving forward the last eight games. And I think the bye week was came at a perfect time where you get half and half of the season right in the middle, so it's going to be great for us. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, viewership was, was pretty solid today, actually, so glad everybody tuned in. Um, I don't even know what the Thursday night game is, so can't even uh, tease that one. But everybody have a great It's not the Jets, so. Exactly. It's not the Jets, and we won't be on Jets. uh, We won't be on Thursday when it's the week of the Jets. I promise you that one. So everybody have a great weekend. Um, Do whatever you got to do to cope with uh, the Bills game, and hopefully we can just get through it together, and we'll see you next Thursday. Let's go, Jets. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.